Hi guys, so welcome to the Fashion Dialogue, um, brought to you by Fashion Retail Academy. Uh, today we got Montana Brown with us. <laughs> now, you are the founder of Swim Society. Mm -hmm. um, why don't you just tell us a bit about that? The brand that I own is called Swim Society, um, and I actually originally owned it with other people. Um, and thankfully last year I was able to own the brand on my own. Um, and it's been such a journey really because I was kind of like a deer in the headlights when I first took the brand like on my own because I had no idea how to run a business. I had no idea how to do like payroll. I had no idea how to do taxes. All the things that you need to know like when you're running a business. So it's been a massive whirlwind. So it, it's really been very, very difficult, very stressful. But I think anyone that owns their own brand is, I mean, it's really, really difficult. And I think anyone that does is just an absolute saint because the patience and the concentration and the dedication that you need to keep yourself afloat is really, really difficult. You end up being a master of everything, don't you? Yeah. You know. Um, so Swim Society is a UK-based business. Mm -hmm. um, sustainable swimwear? Yes. So we are a sustainable, all-inclusive brand. So we have no categorization. Often when you see, especially with women's clothing and swimwear, um, you're kind of pigeonholed into a petite or a tall or a curve. Um, and I don't really like that because I think it segregates women and makes them feel like they can only wear one style for, that suits their body, body type. Um, so what we try and do at Swim Society is empower women to kind of break those boundaries um, and just wear what they want. And it doesn't matter what size they are, what shape they are, um, they can wear whatever they like on holiday. And what gave you that idea to start Swim Society? So I was actually on a beach in the Maldives, funnily enough. Okay, all good <laughs> stories start yeah. on a beach in the Maldives, of course. <laughs> um, and I was with a few friends and we were all kind of complaining because one of my friends' swimsuits had gone see-through and my other one was like, oh, this doesn't fit very well and didn't like the material. Um, and I kind of had a bit of a light bulb moment where I was like, actually, there isn't really a brand out there that's not fast fashion, that's sustainable, that's also accessible um, and affordable. Um, because there's a massive gap at the minute between fast fashion and sustainable because sustainable doesn't seem attainable for the average person because it's so expensive. So you're alienating a lot of your consumers just by kind of hoiking up the price point. Now, it is really expensive to be sustainable. That's why a lot of big brands won't do it because the shift is just ridiculous. The margins are so much smaller, um, but you do reap the rewards um, in the long term because I think that's where it's going. So for us, um, we have kind of shifted to sustainable. We weren't sustainable to start off with, but we've made the choice to make it sustainable and we're using all kind of consumer plastics in our, um, in our swimsuits. And we're also not making the margin ridiculously huge so that it's not accessible for people. So we're kind of that nice sweet spot between fast fashion and sustainable where um, it's still accessible and it's still something that people can afford and it's still available on ASOS and it's still available for you to buy and get discounts on every now and then. Um, and it means that way more people can wear our lovely swimwear. And it sounds quite challenging when you're talking about um, being sustainable, um, having multiple sizes. Did you have any challenges um, when starting up the brand in terms of getting that right? You know, the fit, like you say, and the, and the fabrics. Yeah, I think that was one of the main things that I really struggled with was because I kind of thought, yeah, I can find a factory. Yeah, I can do that. That'll be easy. Like, I'll just Google it. <laughs> and really, you can't. Um, 
it's all very hush hush. It's really odd. Like when when anyone has a brand, everyone's so like, oh no, well you can't use my supplier, <laughs> and oh no, you can't use my factory. It's it's kind of like everyone just likes to keep themselves to themselves, and it's very much like secretive. Um, so I found that really really difficult because we were kind of. We only had a few factories to choose from because we just weren't aware of what factories there were around China, around Turkey, around Portugal. Um, and I always wanted to make swimwear closer to Europe because it's more sustainable for us to ship it. Um, however, it wasn't possible for our first drop, so that was we were, we made that in China, um, and then this drop is made in Turkey, and then we're now getting it made in Portugal. Um, but you kind of hit the nail on the head in terms of it was really, really hard to navigate in terms of fit, in terms of making sure that each and every size um, it fit perfectly because sending samples back and forth from China, which was our first factory, was really, really difficult. Um, obviously, you're in a completely different time zone. We didn't have a, a design or production manager. Um, I, it was literally just me and two other girls kind of running the business. Um, and so we were all kind of I hate to say it, but wing it. Mm. We were winging it. Um, so it was really stressful because I just felt like I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, do you know, I'm glad you brought up the manufacturing secretive thing because it is that. Like, mm. No no manufacturers out there advertise themselves that well, do no. they? No. It's very much like you have to spend days, weeks, years, in fact, finding a good manufacturer. Yeah. Especially if it's sustainable as well. 100%. And I, and I think most factories they, they don't need to advertise because they're working with great brands they don't need the extra kind of customers so to find those really amazing factories that are working with sustainable fabrics um, is really really difficult so you've gone from china to turkey to portugal yeah like where's the next step so i think what's difficult is that all of the most amazing clothing and materials and fabric mills are all in Italy. Mm. It's like the hub of fashion, it's the hub of manufacturing and all of the bigger brands, they're all made in Italy, um, but they are just ridiculously expensive. And I think we've even seen such a, um, a rise in prices just by moving to Portugal. But again, like we're trying to do that education piece where we are trying to educate our customers of this is why your bikini is costing you more because everyone along the supply chain is being paid properly and you, you're getting the best quality material and that is why it's this price. Because yep. at the minute, um, we, we don't, we're not at the margin that we'd like to be at. Um, so, you know, we don't make as much money for the drops that we've done so far because we don't want the customer to suffer um, and we still want people to want to buy from us. But once kind of we we feel like we've got everything to where we want it to be in terms of our factory. And I think Portugal is probably where we'll end our factory search. They've been amazing and like the quality is just out of this world. Um, but yeah, it, it's been it's been a journey, but I think we will end it at Portugal because you can't really get better than that. So that leads on quite nicely um, to the next question. So what are your three core values for Swim Society? Oh, just the three. Oh, okay. Three. I'll narrow it down to three. Okay. Um, a little bit of time. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sustainability. Yeah. Um, I would say empathy, and being inclusive is probably the three core values. Being inclusive in the models you use or in the sizing of your product or both? Yeah, both of them, to be honest. Um, obviously, we want to be inclusive with our campaigns, which is why we do a lot with um, open castings. Yeah. So we kind of advertised um, our open casting earlier this year, and we had like over 700 applicants, and we kind of narrowed it down to 50 people. And then we invited them down to a lovely kind of space that we had in London. And we just kind of 
met these girls and they all kind of came from different backgrounds, they all had different stories and we wanted them to be part of one of our campaigns um, and that's something that I'm really passionate about doing every single drop that we do. Um, if not every drop then especially every high summer drop because I think it's important for people to see themselves in a campaign and you know we've all walked past like kind of Piccadilly Circus and seen kind of the big spreads of the really skinny models and all the high luxury brands. It's just not attainable for most people. People do not look like that. Um, and if they do, they're a model because they are the, the few that do look like that. And I think it's kind of championing women to feel beautiful in their own skin. And that's what really kind of led me to, to be inclusive. And I think I do actually get quite a lot of backlash because people are always like, yeah, well, you're skinny. What would you know about being a bit bigger and all of that kind of thing? So I, but it doesn't really change the fact that it's still really, really important and hopefully we can encourage more brands to do that. Love it. So the open casting, like, I love that idea. I've never really heard of that before. So how do you um, kind of merge the open casting with the, the products and how do you get the products to fit all of these different body shapes? Yeah, it's, it's a really good question actually. And it's something that we've really tried to fine tune because we didn't know whether to pick one girl to come in in the main campaign. Um, and we actually did that a couple of years ago, but we found that um, putting someone who isn't used to that modelling environment into kind of a big campaign when you're abroad, it can obviously be quite intimidating. So we decided to structure it that we invite kind of 50 people to one day. Um, we do two days in London and we meet all these girls and we pick six girls um, to be part of like a mini capsule campaign uh, where they get the opportunity to shoot in swim society. Um, and they basically get all the imagery and, and it's a really uplifting day actually. It's amazing. Um, but again, it's really good for feedback purposes in terms of we want them as part of our community to give us feedback. Do they like the style? How does it fit? What's their favorite kind of style out of the collection and why? What more? What support do you need? And all of those kind of things. So it's a really kind of beneficial um, thing that we do. And not just for the girls, but also for us. And like I've had a look at your products online. They are absolutely like, well, trendy, awesome. But how do you like, keep up with all of the different trends, all of the different fabrics and designing new products. Um, seems like it's forever evolving. Yeah, it's, it's really difficult because there's kind of two different ways that brands tend to um, pick their style or design for their next collection. One is to copy from, you know, your high-end brands like Prada, Balenciaga, all of those kind of brands. And then they kind of, you see those patterns kind of filter down into your fast fashion, or you're trying to create something completely different. So for me, like, because you're working kind of six to nine months in advance on these drops, it, I've, I've found what's worked best is that we just design something completely different. It's me literally kind of having a play around with pencil, having a look on Pinterest, having a look at like different magazines and even having a look at online publications of what they've posted, I don't know, 10, 20 years ago and just changing it and playing around with things. Um, so for example, one of the prints that we have in this collection that's for sale at the minute, um, it genuinely, we just got a, a freelance designer to work with us to create something and it was, what was I think I was playing Tetris or something. And I was like, oh, this could be a cool design. And it, again, like it's not something that we're trying to replicate from a different brand because I think that doesn't work, especially when we're at a higher price point than fast fashion. It's different if, you know, a fast fashion brand are replicating something that Gucci are doing because they're offering a point of difference because it's cheaper. Um, whereas when we are offering a point of difference, it will be cheaper than Gucci, but it's still 
kind of a little bit more expensive and it's still like we say a considered purchase. Um, so I'd say we try and be as innovative and as creative as possible by not copying other people's brands. Um, obviously we definitely take kind of notes of what colors are in trend um, and those kind of things, but anything pattern wise, um, we try and keep it kind of quite to ourselves. Yeah, and how do you stop other people kind of doing the same as what um, fast fashion do with, you know, the top Gucci, Prada, etc. How do you stop people kind of like copying what you're doing um, as oh, well. they can copy me all they like. Oh, okay. <laughs> I quite like that. That would be yeah. nice. Yeah, I think it, I think it's fine. I think it's always going to happen because yeah. again, like the fast fashion industry, they're so reactive mm. because they can just kind of you know say to the factory, "Oh, we want this print," and they can churn it out in you know in a couple of days. Um, but obviously, we're not as reactive as that, so we could probably never do that, um, which I think is also a blessing because it means that you can create your own designs. And how often are your drops? You mentioned before that you do drops uh, six to nine months before. Yes. But how often are they available to the consumer? So we actually only launched this February. So we've done two drops so far. Yeah. Um, we have another drop coming up, which is really exciting okay. for February. <laughs> for February. <laughs> yeah, and then um, we also have another drop in May. Yep. So um, that's really, really exciting. But we've also, we've already designed February. We've already designed um, May and now we're looking to design, which will probably be September, October time, so. Exciting times. Yeah, very, very exciting times. So, have you faced any backlash from trolls on social media or, or anywhere really, um, for your inclusivity for using models and uh, how do you manage trolling? Yeah, it's, it's a good question actually, because we do face a lot of criticism because we are really transparent and we pride ourselves on that, but obviously mm. you then open yourself up for people kind of being, oh, well, what about this? And have you done this? So we do often get backlash because people kind of look at me and they're like, oh, well, you went on Love Island and you're a size eight, so what would you know about all inclusivity and all of that? Um, which again is, is, I can understand why people kind of might say that, um, but it's something that I do genuinely feel really passionate about. And I do believe that each brand should be representing people of all sizes and that should just be a standard. Mm. Um, and I think it's so damaging, especially for young girls um, to just see skinny people in campaigns. I think it's, it's really damaging. And I think for me, we caveat the trolling um, by an education piece of, no, this is why we're doing it because we care and we want people to feel amazing in their bodies. And you know, we all know women and what women are like. They're so overly critical about their bodies. and most women, they dread going on holiday because they're thinking, oh my God, how am I going to find a nice bikini? Oh my God, I need to just starve myself for like the last two weeks before I go on holiday. And we really need to change that mindset, which is why we're trying to do workshops as well, like self-love um, and body positivity and body image workshops so we can work with women of all shapes and sizes um, and make them feel more confident in their own bodies. So um, I think any brand that is kind of digitally native is opening themselves up for criticism and I welcome it because it gives us an opportunity to then talk more about our ethos and why and the background of it so I actually think it's quite a good thing because it means people care. Are you worried about the future of fashion you know in the current climate we're in right now? I think every fast fashion brand should be worried for the future because we all remember when you used to go shopping, the, the concept of shopping 
is all online now and you have to have Instagram and all brands have Twitter and brands are having to be more accountable for their supply chain. Um, you know, I used to go shopping actually like in town and go into the shop and you used to try and call customer service and you just wouldn't get through. Whereas now the kind of online community are making brands more accountable for their decisions. Um, so I think in regards to sustainability, it's something that we all are trying to make more changes towards because it isn't sustainable the way that fast fashion brands are creating clothes. It's there's so much waste, it's damaging to the environment. And I think a lot of people are now really being quite conscious about where they're buying from, um, what ethos do they have? Do they have any initiatives that are supporting the environment? And if they don't, they are making active choices not to buy from these brands. Um, I'd like to think that kind of the government would put in some legislations to fast fashion brands in the near distant future. Um, I know a lot of them, I mean, again, it's an education piece for consumers because people don't think, oh, this is six pounds. I wonder why this is six pounds. They're thinking, oh, this is six pounds. This is an absolute bargain. I'm going to buy it. Um, but we really have to delve a bit deeper. And I think I've learned so much just from owning my own brand and wanting it to be sustainable of what that actually means. If your clothes are costing you six pounds, everyone in that supply chain is not being paid properly. They're being paid under minimum wage. So what does that say? Um, so I think, again, I think a lot of brands are shifting towards being more sustainable. Um, but to be honest, I think fast fashion brands, they have a lot of work to do. Do you think that being sustainable as a brand is just a trend or is it completely here to stay and more brands should jump on board? I, I think they all start off as a trend. Um, but right now you've got so many incredible influencers who are um, trailblazing the way uh, through the sustainability world and almost exposing a lot of brands for things like greenwashing, uh, which is essentially where brands that are more geared towards fast fashion, um, so they're trying to be more sustainable, but because obviously with a huge company, it's really difficult for them to change their whole infrastructure to become sustainable. Um, so there is actually a law in place that if your clothes are made in China or they're made in Vietnam, and then they land in Portugal to get a label sewn in, they can say made in Portugal, um, which again, so this is how brands are getting around that. Um, but people are digging and yeah. you know, people are very, very interested in where their clothes are actually made now, um, especially when things come to light about like modern slavery and things and people not being paid the correct amount for making clothes. Um, so I'd like to think it's not a trend and I think laws will probably be enforced, I hope, um, in the next 10 years. And I think if not now, then I think in the future, in 10 years, there will be kind of clamping down on sustainability with big fashion brands because it's so damaging for the environment. You cannot have a brand putting labels on in the UK and saying made in the UK. It just isn't right no. at all. And brands like yourself and uh, you know, Swim Society uh, know the whole chain, the supply chain, and that yeah. is so important. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's just great, I love it. Yeah, I mean, that's what's really difficult because with Swim Society, we find that a lot of people are comparing us to other sustainable brands. Um, which you know we then look into and we look into their CSR and what they're doing and giving back to the environment and it's actually very minimal um, whereas we're a small team there's only four of us working for Swim Society and we have so many initiatives to give back to the environment you know our swimwear is made from consumer plastics um, we also plant a tree for every order um, so every single time someone orders something on the website we will plant a tree 
to offset that carbon emissions. Yeah. And when we do campaigns abroad, obviously it's not that sustainable to fly, but we offset the flight um, carbon emissions. And those are little things, bearing in mind we're not even a year old, um, that they do cost us money and it is more expensive, but it is the right thing to do. And I think that's where I think, especially founders, they need to be a bit more empathetic and a bit more kind of heart led um, rather than financially led. Um, obviously, everything needs to make financial sense, but I think there's a really kind of, there should be a line where you're not actually damaging the environment to make clothes. So are these the sustainability promises that you give to your customer when you purchase from Swimsite? Yes, exactly. So we do the tree planting. Um, we also are trying to essentially create kind of circular swimwear. Okay. So I'll tell you a little bit about what it is because everyone's like, what is that? Okay. Um, so circular, we, we want to make the whole process of making clothes circular by obviously you're, you make your swimwear from about three plastic bottles and then essentially the customer buys it, they wear it for a few years and then they're like, mm, I kind of want a new piece. So if they send it back to us, we can then repurpose it, get it crushed down back into the plastic and then get it remade into something. Ah, so the, you get it remade, the raw material comes back out and you get it made into a, yes. another product. Yeah, oh, amazing. but obviously it's such a new technology, yeah. so it's not something that we've been able to do at the, minute, at the minute, but it's something that I'm really passionate about doing and I think is worthwhile. Amazing. And you get a, when they, this is just for me by the way, so when they, <laughs> when they send it back, do you um, give them a discount on like a new product? Exactly. Yeah, so they'll get a discount, which again is something that we don't really do in terms of discounts because our margin is a lot like lower than other fast fashion brands, so it's not something that we can offer. Um, but yeah, that's hopefully what we can do is offering them a discount. So where do you see Swim Society going in the next five years? Are there new products out there or materials that you want to use and bring into your um, packaging or your product? Or? Yeah. So. Obviously we start off with swimwear. Yep. We're really passionate about doing the workshops, which is more of a piece of you know, body confidence and self-love and all of those things, because I think that's a really important piece um, through the ethos of the company. Um, we also look to kind of diversify into different categories. So tote bags we're bringing out, we sell recycled water bottles. Um, I'd really like to do affirmation cards because I'm a little bit spiritual, a little bit kooky. Um, and just, I think we'll probably do like some towels and some different matching sets and we'll probably go into resort wear as well. Um, but again, well, like, you, I know, lots to come, <laughs> but it's, it's really difficult because again, People kind of look at a sustainable brand and think, oh, well, you're producing things, so that's not sustainable. But essentially, we have to try and compete with the fast fashion brands. Um, and if we can do that in a really positive and sustainable way, then it's better than nothing. It's an absolute positive. Why would you not like buy your swimwear from someone who's being more sustainable and has the right ethics than someone who's just fast fashion and trying to make profit? Exactly. It just doesn't make sense as a consumer to me at all. So what's the best thing about owning your own brand? Oh God, there's so many different things. I think the main thing is, because where I was in business with somebody else to start off with, I had no visibility. I had no say really in a lot of different things. And I felt like my opinion wasn't being heard, even though it was partly my brand as well. Um, so kind of coming away from that and having sole ownership um, and having the ability to just make my own decisions and do whatever I like and you know do things that I feel are right for the company and also right for our ethos and our community has been amazing so I guess it's the 
I guess like you can be as spontaneous as you like, like no idea is too big and it's having that kind of, it's a dream job really, is kind of watching the company kind of unfold exactly how you imagined it when you first, in, when you first kind of came up with the idea. Was it hard to be as confident as you are now um, when you took over the business? Because I'm assuming it was a bit, okay, what do I do now? Yeah. And, but you seem to have that confidence where you've just taken it and run with it and taken it to another level. Yeah, I think that's come with time because when I, I never actually thought I would get the company on my own, um, sole ownership. So when it actually happened, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> what uh -oh. do I do? <laughs> um, so that was really difficult. But again, I've been so lucky because um, the two girls that have been with me from the start, they have taught me so much about running a business. They've taught me so much about the behind the scenes of everything that goes into running a business. So to be honest, I have I have them to really thank for that because I would not have been, been at this point without them supporting me. And they took a massive risk in terms of, you know, taking a huge pay cut, um, coming to a startup brand with literally three people. Um, so I kind of really owe it all to them. Surrounding yourself with good people. Exactly. Nice. Yeah. You have to hire people that are a million times better than you. <laughs> and that is how you run a successful business. So if you were looking back, was there any piece of advice that you wish you had? I would say my advice is don't use your own money. If you can get around it, even the richest people in the world, they, they get loans, they borrow. they borrow money, they get debt. Um, because it's the most efficient way without affecting your lifestyle. There's no point in you getting yourself stressed out about getting in debt. Yeah, I, I would say to anybody who's looking to start a business, get investment and get the right investment because um, you have to find someone who you could actually be friends with, which is really, really difficult in the investment world of you know venture capitalists and angel investors. And there's not everybody who is nice. Not everybody is out to help you. And it might seem like that, but you really have to be sharp and you really have to be switched on um, and align yourself with someone who believes in your ethos not just in the figures and believes in you as a person so i would say don't stress yourself out by using your own money and feeling the pressure to support your own brand because i've been really really lucky financially in terms of you know i can do some influencer work and get good money from that but if you're someone who's getting got a normal job and got a certain amount of savings there will be hidden costs left, right and centre. I had no idea how much it was going to cost to self-fund. So I think my main bit of advice we would be, do not use your own money. I completely cannot agree more with that. Yeah. I was just like, you know, we just nod with some, when someone says something. Yeah. Um, yeah, completely agree. But there is sort of crowdfunding ways to do it now as well. So you don't have to necessarily go down like the angel investor kind of route where you're giving away um, kind of shares or percentage of the company yeah. um, for the investment. There is crowdfunding ways that people can fund your business easy as well. Like 100%. Away, um, product. For, yeah, uh, like Crowdcube. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. so Crowdcube is a great way for people to get investment. And a little secret tip if you guys are looking at Crowdcube and thinking of raising money, if you have a stash of money or savings and you do want to invest some of it, I would kind of, you know, you can see how much investment and people are getting traction. Obviously, investors are like, little kids in a sweet shop. If one, <laughs> if, if a couple of kids are around one, one type of sweet, they're like, oh, wow, what's all the fuss all about? I want to I I invest in this one. So if you can get, you know, your friends and family to, you know, invest 
X amount, X amount, and five or six different people, and then you put a big chunk of money, your own money, um, but not all of it, then it comes up further on the, on the feed. So then investors are like, oh, well, you know, 10 people have invested in that. What's all the fuss all about? And then, you know, you're more likely for you to get more on the radar. So it was something that I definitely looked into as well, but I think that's a great way to get your visibility on there. Good little tip. Good little tip, exactly. But it's also good to invest a, a small amount of your own money, like you said there, um, because you're showing your dedication your dedication to the brand and you're putting yourself into it, not just yourself and your product, but a little bit of money as well, you know? Also, if you have that sense of, wow, this is a risk, this is half my savings, you, you know, you yeah, you work hard and you work until like late hours of the night and you make sure that everything is perfect. And I would also say just proofread everything. And also something that gave me so many opportunities to meet people is having a yes year. And I say this to everybody, not even just in business, but in your personal life as well. If you feel like your life is a bit stagnant or you're trying to create a business and you feel like it's you're finding it hard to make a breakthrough, have a yes yes to every opportunity or every time your friend invites you out or to an event, say yes and just do it because I met so many people um, by just saying yes to experiences that I thought, mm, I'd rather not, I'd rather stay at home. But it completely opens you up to different situations and meeting new people. Um, and I think that's really, really important. And if you could go back in time and change one thing, what would it be and why? Do you know what? I actually wouldn't change anything because I've learned so much on the journey. But again, if it was someone else, I think I would just say, just don't self-fund. It's, it's really, really difficult. It's so, so, so stressful. Um, and I, I wish I had said yes more, actually. I wish I'd said yes more because the people that are gonna essentially make the difference between having a successful brand and an unsuccessful brand, is it's all in the people. It's all in people that you know. Um, every single person that has helped me along the way to make the brand what it is today is because I've been nice to people and I've made the effort to go for coffee with people and go to events that I wouldn't normally go to. Because as, if you're meeting people and people, you create a good name for yourself. News travels fast and your reputation will always precede you. I'm glad you mentioned people because you said you've got a small team of four and they're absolutely amazing. Yeah. So you must have this kind of secret way to hire people or, or to get the best people around you. How do you go about that and hiring the people that you have? I always just go off if I get along with them. Yeah. Um, because I just think if you're gonna get into bed with someone in terms of in the business world, then you might as well make sure they're a good person. Um, because good people make good decisions. And I always find this with females specifically because we have a full female team over here. Um, but they kind of lead with their hearts in terms of they lead with, how's that gonna make that person feel? and what's the right way to do this. Whereas men are a little bit more kind of ego driven in terms of don't like being told criticism. Um, and this is obviously a blanket kind of statement, but I've loved working with women because I feel like the way that they approach work and the way that they approach people is so much more kind of nurturing. Um, and that's when you get the best out of people. If you make people feel special and you make people feel like they're heard and that they're seen, people will absolutely do loads for you and people want to help you because they're like oh you know what she made me feel amazing and she made me feel seen and heard and she was always really nice to me um i'm gonna help her out and that's how we have built to where we are now is because all the people that we use especially for our shoots are all people that i've met along my lifetime and you know they're just my friends 
and all of them are so talented and they're like, yeah, do you know what? You've been nice to me my whole life and I'm going to help you out. And that's what makes the world go around. Indeed. And um, so what would you say your biggest achievement is today? Oh, gosh. My biggest achievement today? Working nine till five, maybe? Because everyone knows like having a, uh, a business like Swim Society does not just take nine to five. No. So you can work those small hours. Um, I think I think our biggest achievement is probably pulling together these campaigns that we've done. We did our first campaign in the Maldives, did our second one in Milos in Greece, um, and they were grueling, kind of 4 a.m. starts and 9 p.m. finishes and just really, really tough, like mentally. Um, and doing that with no shoot experience and especially with, um, we only had, there was only three of us actually when we did the Maldives and Milos shoot. Um, three of us organising a big shoot of 15, 16 people is such a huge achievement for us and for the pictures to look amazing and for everyone to feel amazing as well whilst we were there uh, was a massive achievement because we were winging it the whole time um, and, in, and in COVID, and in COVID yeah. as well. The pictures are great. Thank um, you. The models you use, you know, just perfect. You yeah. really, I don't know, from an outsider looking in, it really like brought together like your brand and you can see the passion oh. and the fact that everyone wanted to be there for not just the, the brand but for you yeah it really tells yeah oh, you that's, they that's... didn't just want to be in Maldives they yeah. wanted to be there for you yeah and that's what makes it so special is that it doesn't actually feel like work a lot of the time because I'm working with people that I genuinely love um and that it's, it's a mutual kind of respect of I don't think I'm better than anyone that works with Swim Society at all. In fact, I'm probably lower down on the rankings list in terms of like talent. Um, and all of their expertise are the reason that the company has been so successful. So it's, it's nothing to do with me. It's actually more like the team, it's the people underneath you because they lift you up to where you need to be. Um, I'd have, I wouldn't have a clue where to start, but you just, <laughs> again, like you've got to hire people that, that are better than you. So you have a Teeny tiny team. A teeny tiny team, <laughs> yes, we do. People. Yeah. Small team. What roles do they do? Okay, so aside from myself, yeah. um, we have a visual merchandise and e-commerce manager. Um, we have a design and production manager. And we also have a social media comms manager, um, which they kind of, they're the crux of the business, really. And do they kind of dip in and out of each other's role, or are they very much kind of like, they do one thing? I mean, to be honest, they've had to literally learn everything um, because, I mean, I'm really, really lucky. One of our girls, Tash, um, she's got a lot of experience in buying and merchandise. So she's worked for kind of Amazon and she's worked for Farfair. She's worked for some huge brands. And obviously those departments are the absolute crux of any business because it is how you how you turn out different sales and you know she is literally a whiz on excel and i would have no idea if she wasn't there i think it's great that you mentioned those particular roles because the fashion retail academy train their students in exactly that yeah and i think to be honest it's it speaks volumes that those are literally the three people that we have and the roles that they are in buying a merchandise is something that you cannot live without if you're owning a fashion brand um i mean tash she Absolutely, she's like a whiz on Excel. Like the, all the things that she does, I'm like, I don't know what that means. You're gonna have to just break that down into English for me. Um, but she's, yeah, they're very important, especially social media communications. I mean, again, like the three girls, I wouldn't have been able to run the business without, but that is kind of the three prongs of a successful business. So yeah, I think it's really great that they're doing those courses. 
great things you are in um, the world of sustainability is just amazing. You've opened my eyes and I know that a lot of people watching this will aspire to own brands in the future like Swim Society. So thank oh, you so much. Oh no, thank you. I can't wait to chat you guys <laughs> soon.